Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. We also have two special guests with us today, Adam Philipchuk and Andrew Padleski. Adam and Andrew are both multi-event winners within the Alberta Fab community and very formidable players with experience at multiple Tier 3 and Tier 4 level events. As of the time of this recording, in Constructed ELO, Andrew is 16th in Canada and Adam is 24th. And this is very notable because we really don't get nearly many as opportunities for these rated events here in Alberta. Adam is also first in Lifetime XP in Canada, and Andrew is 14th. And as a quick plug, Shay and I are side-by-side at 19th and 20th. Uh, Both are longtime players and pillars of the Alberta and Edmonton communities. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. We'll start with you, Andrew. How did you hear about Fab or what got you into the game? I was grinding Magic the Gathering pretty hard. And throughout that, like 2019, 2020, 2021, kind of just the enjoyment or the rate of success or just the direction they were taking the game, I didn't like it as much. And then I had a close friend of mine say that he heard all about Flesh and Blood on a podcast. The people playing the podcast gave that a shot, tried it, looked into the competitive circuit, the tournaments, the prizes, and just ranting and raving about it. So we just decided to jump in head first, spend all of our money, and just commit. Nice. Awesome. How about you, Adam? How did you hear about Flesh and Blood, and how did you get into it? So the way I actually hear about Flesh and Blood is uh, uh, at the time I'm kind of flirting with doing some financial stuff with Magic um, and uh, spending a lot of time on Channel Fireball's website and they announced their partnership with LSS at the time. And I remember thinking, okay, if this game's whatever this never heard of it before if thinking if this game's big enough that channel fireball's kind of pulling this big trigger out of nowhere there must be something here uh started looking into it uh initially from a financial perspective at that point and that's kind of right uh around the uh, uh channel fireball was kind of spearheading the 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 north american unlimited launch of uh, uh the, the first three sets oh and the, the second wave of, of crucible first edition so yeah started looking into things from a financial aspect there uh played a few games myself uh started really enjoying the game and then uh from there just uh, the rest has kind of unfolded nice you guys have both been part of like uh, multiple pqs pts as well as i assume callings do you have some sort of highlight that you like to uh, reminisce about or one of your favorite moments and we'll start with uh, adam for this one i have a couple that really come i think one of the first big ones is um winning uh the the first pro quest in alberta uh at bento yep. that was uh a fairly large pro quest and uh i, I remember uh it's funny because remember the day before uh i was I'd just gotten home from a ski trip i didn't really have as much time to prepare for that event as i'd wanted to and i remember having this thought of i'm just going to scrub out like and and just kind of preparing myself with being okay with uh, n- not like trying to like put myself down or anything, but just being okay with the idea of not doing well. And uh, uh, yeah, there's a, a few things went in my favor that day, but I also think I played some pretty clean games. And I, I remember that moment of holy, I actually did it in that moment of mm-hmm. um, just just proving myself. I was able to to, to even uh, attain a a feat like that uh, of course it's funny how looking back then now i'm like and, and in another way i'm like yeah but it was just a pro quest like you know there, there's so many bigger things and it. it's funny how all things are, are relative nice how about you andrew you have a favorite moment you like to share with us i really like 
all of the road trips to Calgary when we get the whole Alberta community yeah. into the same room or when a bunch of Calgary is coming here or the first couple trips to Canadian nationals. I think we're so much fun. You just get to see so many people there that you know and hang out and play so many games in the hotel or the lobbies or just things like that with the road trips or the plane trips. Yeah. Uh, Adam kind of touched on it when we were talking, he was talking about skirmish season one that was all online and you heard these voices for over so many games and over, over so many tournaments that when we all finally got to go to those first Canadian nationals, I think everybody here went to them. You got finally got to put a face to the name that you've to been the hands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was a really exciting moment for myself as well. Like, so I, I'm with you in that. That was awesome to really see those people and kind of like put all of the pieces together, the voice, the hands and the person and, um, all the conversations that you might've even had, you know, privately on, on the discord and stuff like that. So yeah, it's Those were good times. So did all three of you participate in skirmish season one? Shay, Andrew. I don't think so. I don't remember. Okay. It. Got it. Yeah. If I recall correctly, Andrew, by the time you, cause you, you start playing with us, uh, around August, um, 2021. It was right before tales drops, right? Yeah, Monarch had been out for a bit. Yeah, yeah, and I, we're we're fairly off the online scene at that point, I believe. Unfortunately, it's just the same. You would allow. Well, I, it's funny because I remember talking to the, to you about this concept of playing online. You're like, "Ew, I don't want to do that." And I was like, "No, you don't get it. It's such an amazing experience." And uh, I, th- I think if you'd had a yeah, just a little bit of time with us on the, um, just on on that lo- that weird little community we had, it was such a cool little thing. Yeah, it was kind of, I was, we always refer to it as like the wild west of the fab days because you had people from all sorts of countries and time zones joining in tournaments, playing one game, dropping, moving to another tournament. It's like, it was so wild. Yeah. And I it's funny, actually, I remember my first, uh, um, uh, international skirmish, I should say. Um, there was, uh, and the reason I'm bringing this one up is uh, another mutual friend of ours, uh, Arthur. This is kind of our first bonding moment where uh, it, it was a UK skirmish. Uh, I think it was Dark Realms, maybe, or Dark Sphere, something like that, Dark something. Um, and uh, it was, yeah, we had to get up at, I recall setting my alarm somewhere between like two or three in the morning for it making coffee I will one eye is barely open sitting down at my at my computer and I'm like you know look out the window it's dark and then I see this Mr. Chocolates also in the same lobby and I'm like huh I think I recognize that name from uh, the Canadian discord and then bing I get a message and it's from Arthur and he goes what are we doing up at this hour and I yeah, just yeah. started laughing and uh it's just such such a fond memory of uh, just like this this unlikely uh, interaction with with now a very close friend who really lives just a, a few hours uh, down the highway from me and mm. y- you never you never think that's going to happen when you just learn of a new card game right like and it just goes to show like how much more uh, flesh and blood is than just a card game yep yeah no that's really interesting and i mean we're going to talk about this a lot more in depth later but out of the four of us then it looks like there's two so shay and oh, uh, yeah. Yep, Shay and Adam, that are well, well, we'll call you Boomers, and then there's True. Andrew and I, who started at the same time. <laughs> I don't think we're Zoomers, but uh, you know, we we miss the the Wild West era and and right into the the start of in person play, right? So it's it's interesting that that you have both uh, both perspectives. 
before we delve more into the fab topics, I guess, just really, really generally speaking, just so so we get to know you a little bit outside of fab. I mean, what what are a couple just highlights uh, about yourselves as people outside of, of fab? I guess, Andrew, do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I'm obsessed with hockey, Edmonton mm-hmm. Oilers. I'm a huge music fan. And then, yeah, I'm just always gaming. Other than that, definitely working, gaming, some school stuff and hockey and music man yeah fun fact about andrew I, i've never seen you not wear a hockey jersey like i i think at this point <laughs> there's just one like adhered to your body or something like this man it's is pro- always wearing a hockey jersey yeah yeah what about you adam a little bit about myself i'm uh uh well first off i'm actually uh i'm an advanced care paramedic by trade uh yep. working uh, urban uh Urban Center for uh, I'm a little over ten years in the industry now. It's uh, wow. it's um, it, it's a blast. Um, you know, it's it's got its ups and downs. And uh, uh, yes, you do um, see some. Uh, I'll say some interesting things, but uh, despite that, it's I, I wouldn't trade it for the world because it's um, I mean, just a from the perspective of um just how fascinating emergency medicine and uh, uh, emergency preparedness responses. Uh, beyond that, uh, music's also a big part of my life. I've got my basement kitted out as this pseudo uh, recording studio. And uh, yeah, when I'm uh, not building building and painting minis or doing something flesh and blood related uh, or dabbling in some, some little fringe gaming thing of some sort, I'm doing something music related. Oh, that, that's awesome. Thank you both for, for sharing that. And I guess um, going back to Andrew, you mentioned you're always gaming. What what are you playing lately? Lately, I've been everywhere this weekend. We've been playing some Rainbow Six Siege, some Stellaris, some of the new modes in League of Legends. But uh, just real quick, I'll mention kind of the path that took me to competitive card games was sure. in 1998 with my uncle babysitting me. He showed me starcraft brood war i was probably three years old and that was just the entrance to the rabbit hole after that i delved into every rts game i could find i figured out pretty quick that anything like lord of the rings genre or setting type of thing was just absolutely for me so there was some games workshop some warcraft 3 for like 10 years battle for middle earth just every game that took me to playing StarCraft II pretty competitively, took me to playing Magic in real life for over 10 years as competitively as I could. And then, like I mentioned, that kind of segued over to Flesh and Blood. Wow, yeah. And I, I want so badly to just uh, completely geek out with you about StarCraft Brood War here, but uh, we, we have to try to stay on rails here, so <laughs> maybe we'll we'll chat about it offline here. Nice. But, uh, yeah. We'll move on to uh, just um, a bit of a deeper dive. Maybe if, Adam, you wanted to start us off by telling us about the community that you have locally in Edmonton. I mean, yeah, what's what's it like? How has it developed over the years? Uh, yeah, when we're in the, the heat of the pandemic and everything shut down, there really was nothing going on in Edmonton, flesh and blood-wise at the time. Now, there was myself and uh, there's an L2 judge actually in Edmonton named Tyler Trudell. Uh, we were the two kind of active ones online on Discord. The pandemic starts to lift and uh, we get to um, start playing in, in, in person. Uh, a second store, uh, a store that... Uh, 
is is kind of one actually the bit probably i think the biggest pillar for flesh and blood in the greater edmonton area now uh dream escape gaming uh travis uh, over there um has put a lot of effort into awareness of the game and and, and just creating a safe space for people to uh, be able to enjoy and explore the game but um People are slowly coming and going. I think yeah, Andrew then comes in a couple months after that. Um, and we had a couple other, I guess, OGs, if you will. Uh, Kevin being uh, a notable one. Uh, Kevin Seward. Uh, he's uh, through and through uh, a diehard lover of the game and just he loves um, showing up to armories and supporting the store. And just at the heart of, you know, when we really think of what the community really needs to be that you know that engagement and that love to participate that that you know he is the embodiment of that and. Then, Ken, over the next few months, we see we do see a few other uh, people come in who really start to shape up the community as it is today. Uh, Brandon St. Amour, uh, Kane Wilbur come to mind. Unfortunately, we, we went through this, uh, and Andrew, I'm sure, remembers this as well. We went through this brief, unfortunate little phase where we got a little too competitive. And uh, I think at that point, we... we uh, stymied the growth of the community a little bit we scared some people away uh and uh, i think we've since done a really good job of um recognizing it though and trying to shift the 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 culture a little bit all while still like appreciating and respecting the competitive drive but trying to respect all walks of of tcg appreciation i definitely want to shout them out there in leduc at dream escape gaming because recently he hosted a intro learn to play night bring new people type of night and then yeah i definitely saw kane brandon ethan bringing in just a whole squad of new players giving them intro decks showing up like two hours early teaching everyone i know brandon's been bringing his younger brother out i started bringing my younger brother out and through that it's just been like really fun intro or blitz or learn to play nights with kind of a crowd of newer people that we can just teach and help out that's awesome to hear i know you and i andrew have spent a lot of time talking about what we can do concepts and ideas on how to help grow the edmonton community because of what adam had kind of touched on about getting too competitive and potentially scaring new players away from the game so something like this is super exciting to hear that um that you guys and um they're doing a dream escape to help bring that initiative of bringing new people into the game. So I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. What led to that recognition within your own community? Like just to identify that problem that this is the reason why maybe we're not getting the attendance or attracting people or maybe scaring people away. Like, I I guess, how did that come about? I guess maybe Andrew, what would you, were you one of the people that, that were yeah i was it's um it's kind of just a whole bunch of things coming together a bunch of unlucky circumstances we had um a pretty unfortunate accident in the community with one of my close friends dying and then right after that it was also kind of a season where there wasn't really anything to grind for or play for and so engagement just started dying through that and then lots of people that were um trying the game out for a little while or maybe pursuing it pretty competitively they left to go and partake in other games we had some people go back to Yu-Gi-Oh! some people go back to magic other people get busy with work life family life just kind of everything combining all at once really started to lead to so many events just uh, not having enough people to fire or maybe 
you know, it's quite a rush for me to like get home from work, shower, change, eat as quick as possible, rush back to the city, rush hour, get there like five minutes late, and you have four people there. Makes it kind of tough to go out for that. Yeah, and before we we delve more into um, you two um, as players in Fab, uh, just maybe to take a step back, tell us a little bit about Edmonton. Um, just so our listeners have an idea about what kind of city it is, how big, what's it like. I mean, Andrew, you are the most patriotic Edmontonian I know, so maybe you're, you're the right person to, <laughs> sure. to ask this. man, put me on the spot. I don't know, like, Edmonton's population off the top of my head. I think it's like 1.2 million, but it's a uh, pretty big city, though, with a big ring road and... We have four to five LGSs hosting one armory a night on different nights of the week. And then, generally speaking, you can come to these events and expect like eight to 12 or eight to 16 people there. And this all depends kind of on uh, what the season looks like, if there's something really excited coming up, if it's skirmish season or if there's RTNs around the corner, everyone seems to get more excited for that and start putting in the time, testing different decks, stuff like that. There's a pretty good mix too of cc and draft events in a, any given week i might be able to play cc three times and draft two times or something like that all of the stores kind of have their own little rotational system and then it's just kind of like blitz and sealed we don't see too much of we'll do a little bit of a deep dive now on your guys's fab career we'll start with adam for this one can you tell us about your competitive aspirations in Flesh and Blood and how has your approach to staying competitive evolved over the years? Well, I remember pre-skirmish season one, uh, reading about there was this promise of there was supposed to be this, uh, you know, what we know today to be the $1 million competitive circuit of uh, Flesh and Blood each year, seeing, oh, wait, there's something really cool here and there's a really good game here and there's a really good promise for maybe like a really cool legitimate competitive outlet all these things just kind of came together at the same time perfectly when i was looking for some new um what's the right word i needed a new just a uh, drive in my life with kind of where my life situations were and yeah it just all came together perfectly or was just i was like i i'm all in i'm all in i want to see where this flesh and blood uh, competitive adventure leads uh, and from there then you know we we get to the point of you know, really trying to test and elevate. And, and, and I look at back at all these different little moments of like uh, these, these light level up moments, if you will, where it's like, Oh wow. Like, uh, you know, learning to just see something in a new perspective in a way you just never, you never really thought of before, but all of a sudden it makes so sense and so much sense. And it's, how could you have never thought of it that way before? And yeah, I, I, it, now at this point in my life, I there, there's this element of uh, I have such appreciation for this idea of just competing in mastery. You asked the question of how has that competitive drive changed? And um, whereas when I first got into it, it was, you know, just this, this blind pursuit of excellence. Uh, I think there's certainly more maturity to the process now. And there's, you know, competing professionally in flesh and blood paid all the bills and whatever. And I was able to come into it as a a full-time job. It would be a different story, but at this point it's, it's how do I, how do I do this sustainably in such a way where I can, you know, cover all the things that are important to me in my life all while, you know, still, uh, still endeavoring into, into flesh and blood, which is also important to me. 
that that's the nutshell uh, of of the competitive flesh and blood experience. Thanks for that. Transitioning the same question to you, Andrew, what do you hope to achieve in Fab in the near future, and how do you think you can get there? I want to stand on a stage and lift a trophy up. And every time I've traveled to one of these big events, I've done a little bit better each time. So I think if I just keep putting myself in the position, if I can just play a whole event without making a mistake, I think I can get there. And kind of one of the realizations I've made every single one of these events too is uh, the amount of time into kind of the prep and the homework and the planning. Um, I think every time I've kind of shown up on like the second best deck and been a little bit surprised by one thing or another at the event or haven't had completely the right plan going into a certain matchup and I'm always left feeling like man if I would have just brought in like these other four cards or something I think I could have got there and that's a pretty frustrating feeling when you're finishing right in the middle of these big events do you think if you were on the best deck at the time you would have a different result or a similar result um it's hard to tell Obviously, because I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if you win the first round that you lost, you play different people throughout yeah. the entire rest of the day, probably. But um, yeah, a couple of the times, like uh, the first Canadian Nationals, I showed up on chain when half of the room was on Briar. Mm -hmm. And I played Briar five times in a row, and I went two and three against them. Yeah. And the Pro Tour in New Jersey, I traveled to. Uh, pretty close after that i was on chain when a huge chunk of the room was on starvo <laughs> and i did not have the sweet chain deck that pablo pintor had with the, the pretty cool plans he had to never yeah. close the combat chain right so certain things like that i you know i kind of wish you know for the next event i want to be ready i want to see all of the decks that people have cracked and figured out and think are the best and kind of make my decision from there rather than being a little bit late to the party every time perfect We'll stay with you, Andrew, on this one. You guys have both been to the U.S. multiple times and as well as France for PT2. When you started this game, did you envision envision yourself traveling like this? Well, with Magic, I had already traveled quite a few times. There was a couple um, Portland Grand Prix and a Pro Tour qualifying event in San Diego, as well as lots of road trips around Canada or you know to Calgary or things like that. So I knew starting this game, the amount that I loved it, the amount that I was committing and jumping in headfirst, I'd definitely travel as much as I could to mm -hmm. things where I can just, you know, pay to enter, go play the equivalent to Grand Prix, the callings in flesh and blood. But no, I did not envision that I would just qualify for the first three pro tours right away. Right. How about you, Adam? Was it something that you thought would happen or, or would even do? I was flirting with this idea of those travel opportunities could be there. So in the one sense, yeah, like I said, when I decided to put it in, put the car in gear and go, yes, we are like, we're pursuing flesh and blood. We're going to try to do this competitively. There, the, just like Andrew makes the, you know, the comment of, I want to see myself on a, a, a tro you know, stage lifting a trophy. I, I told myself, I want to see myself on that pro stage. I want to see, not like, I didn't mean like the, the winning stage, but it was this, you know, pro stage. I want to be, I want to compete in that, that circuit. And so the want was there. Uh, and I remember the first goal was just, okay, qualify for pro tour one, qualify for pro tour one. That's all, you know, let's wait till it gets announced and let's just focus on qualifying for it. But at the time it was just this, it's still this fleeting idea of, can we make that happen? There's no way we can keep it going. Uh, and to that point, like looking back on it now and being able to say, I got to compete at, 
every pro tour plus worlds. Um, no, I never, at, at this point in, in my career, I never thought that that would be the case. And I'm, I, I'm truly grateful that I have had that opportunity. No, thank, thanks a lot for that. Uh, before we move on, I, I am curious, um, going back to you, Andrew, you mentioned that you have traveled in the past for Magic. Were you also like one of the, I, I mean, in Fab, I think of you as probably like one of the best or the best player in Alberta, certainly one of the best in, in Canada, you know, by ELO or others. Like, was that also your standing in Magic or or have you achieved greater success now in, in Fab than you achieved in, in Magic? at your peak there yeah not at all in magic i was wildly inconsistent and i was making a new deck every second week and i was playing all the formats and <laughs> I, I i don't know there's kind of a bit of rng in magic as well i i don't know i'd i'd have some big wins and then not for a long time i know for a while magic was tracking wins on kind of an xp leaderboard as well and there was one season where I finished rank one in Alberta. I was very proud of that. But I was never able to join a big or large magic event and then finish in the top eight, like a like a face-to-face event or any of the Grand Prix I traveled to or anything like that. Kind of the, the highest achievement I had in magic, I think, was 2018. I went to Grand Prix Portland and I played a Pro Tour qualifier kind of side event with like 125 people or something in pioneer and i got top four playing spirits nice so the the next question that that i'm actually very curious about for for the both of you is both of you have a lot of experience um at high level competitions you're excellent players as well for both of you and you have results um do, do you feel that that puts you in a, a position of, of leadership within your community? Do you feel that that people look up to you in a certain way? And, and is that a kind of pressure that, that you welcome? Or is that something that, that, that you wish people would, would look towards others as well? I guess, um, Andrew, if we could, could start with you on that. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, the word leadership scares me. I definitely don't like any sort of responsibility or leader or team captain. Even in the video games, I don't want to be the party leader. I don't want to make mm. the decisions. I don't want to mm. carry the bomb to the <laughs> site. Um, but aside from that, I absolutely love whenever people want to ask me questions, be it about experience at these big events or what they should do to prepare or just how, how good I think a card might be or even like little judge questions or etiquette or you know, what they should expect at their first event. I do love answering questions genuinely, and I love teaching people, but kind of the the beacon or title of like leader or, you know, team captain or anything like that, it spooks me out a little bit. Is it just the title that spooks you? Because a lot of those things that you mentioned that you like doing, those are traits of, I guess, typically, those are leadership qualities. Yeah, but just let me do it from the shadows. Don't tell anyone I'm the leader. (laughs) I think I think the prospect of being the one that's putting themselves out there first mm-hmm. is what's the daunting task in being a leader. Um, I think a lot of people think that they have to be a go-getter, going out and setting events up, or being that front line or that first speaker in an event. And it sounds like where Andrew really likes to flourish is when somebody gets to approach him, and then he can tackle 
you know, that specific task that they're asking him about, which definitely can be seen as a leadership thing. I think it's a, it's that concept of going out and uh, engaging the community first. That I think is what's, what's the terrifying part. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess Shay, sorry, Adam, uh, b- before I, we throw to you, I, uh, one of the best quotes that I, I ever heard about leadership, um, and I forget who it was that told me, is uh, when when the greatest leaders are done, the people will look to each other and say, we did this ourselves. And I, I, I definitely resonate with the concept, you know, that the leadership, it's often a poor leader that says, I'm in charge, I'm the boss, look to me. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, like the the very best leaders will will let their actions do the talking. They're They're not necessarily the the ones putting planting a flag and and making all these grand speeches and all that so yeah i guess just just don't don't count yourself down there there andrew sorry adam we'll, we'll go to you no it's no it's actually I, I had a little bit of a thought kind of to add to what you and and shay just said and and uh, specifically off what you just said uh felix i think you highlighted in part the idea of kind of what i've uh thought of as being being a true leader versus kind of being more of a boss where uh, you know, like, I don't know if we've all seen the, the meme or, or whatever at this point, like, you know, the, the distinction between the two where a leader truly leads, you know, they're in front, you know, leading with action and they're not saying, look at me, but they're just saying, this is what needs to be done. So I'm going to do it versus, you know, the boss who's like, you do more, you do that, whatever. Um, I, I think that's an interesting distinction, but also the other part that came to mind off Shay was saying, um, I, I think there's even a distinction too of the, this, for me, this idea of hubris comes to mind where, uh, I, I know for me, I struggled with uh, for a while um, the idea of bringing this undue attention onto myself from this perspective of I didn't want to tell people or imply this idea of you know being pompous or something that you should listen to me because I know I always thought you know there's always going to be someone that knows better or something like that and in turn for a while, this idea of being a leader to me was this really foreign thing. Cause I was like, there's, there's no way I can be this person that could be in a position of, of having the, you know, the, the knowledge or wisdom to be a leader effectively at this point, what for me being a leader is, is just being someone who can help show the way help, um, uh, you know, help show you know when you see a new person in the store and and you know show them that hey this is a welcoming place this is a a safe space hey this is where you can you know we'd love for you to join you know the alberta discord and and be a part of that community and just finding those little ways to uh um to engage now without you know uh to andrew's point looking to to shine the spotlight on me because yeah at no point is it ever about that no thank you so so much for hearing that like uh, or for for telling us uh about that and I, I guess just to pull on that thread a, a little bit I mean just small things like that when you hear that a store is about to pick up the game was it just you hearing about it and and just out of your own volition like showed up and and explained you know how that works just out of a desire to grow the game is is that how how it went down at that point for me yeah that's what it was you know we're small community we're locked in because the pandemic and I was just kind of locked in this idea of Canada community we have Canada community we don't need anything else and I remember Thomas uh sends me an invite to the Alberta discord and goes hey I'm trying something and my first thought it wasn't like 
a negative thought, but it was just, uh, I was caught off guard because I was like, but we have Canada community. We don't need this. And I, once again, never could have fathomed that community growing to what it is today of, uh, I think we're over 250, we're pushing 300, I think. At first it never registered on me. And it was that, that was one of those moments where I was like, oh, there are smaller hubs and in, in smaller, I, I don't want to say mountains to be conquered, but there's just, there's other places where we can put in the work and target uh, attention to foster community and i think that was at the moment where i was i can be a factor in uh in, in making all this happen or not making it happen but uh, uh aiding it in happening i should say yeah at that point i just <clears throat> sorry i had a similar thought process to you adam when i got the invite from thomas i was like i don't need this discord i don't want to be part of another discord i kind of semi-reluctantly joined it and as time got on I spend 99.9% of my time in the Alberta Discord now cultivating and being part of that community because these are the people that I see every day now that we're no longer doing those online tournaments. And this is the community that I want to focus my time on. And so I kind of don't really visit the Canadian Discord as much as I used to because I can only spend so much time in, in either place and kind of this is where I choose to. So I kind of felt similar to you in that regard when, you know, like I said, we got that invite from Thomas as well. Yeah, and it's funny how that perspective changes. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, our communities can only be so large before you you get lost in a sea of people. And I'm sure at the time when the Canadian community was only 100 people large and it was skirmish season one and you were playing against these people every week, then sure, those that's that's your people, right? Those are your people. But, mm -hmm. but things change and, and now... You know, we're very lucky. And maybe one day the Alberta community, Calgary and Edmonton, will, will grow so big that we'll need to split the Alberta Discord. I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it sounds horrible right now, but at, at a certain point, maybe things get so busy that, you, you know, who, who, who knows? You know, there's a maximum size mm -hmm. to, to, to anything. But I guess speaking of, of Alberta and zeroing in on the Battle of Alberta, um, which in, in the fab world really started as the massacre of Calgary by Edmontonians, specifically <laughs> specifically <laughs> Andrew, um, you know, Adam um, and, and Brandon just coming in to beat us up and take our lunch money, I guess. And one dude from Vancouver. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yeah, 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 potato yeah. one one, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean... Is that rivalry? You know what? Honorable mention to you guys, Calgary. I believe the finalist against Potato it was, was um, yeah. Uh, Tarek. yeah, yeah, on Beatdown yeah. Herald or yeah. Tarek, yeah. not not Tarek Patel, yeah. but a different Tarek. But I, I, I guess so. I mean, for a little bit of context, I, I mean, get, getting beat up for long enough that that is a motivating factor, I, at least for me. Did did the Battle of Alberta or, or regional rivalries? in any way motivate you um, early on in FAB? Did it add anything to your experience with FAB? And, and does it continue to? I guess, Adam, you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. There was always, you know, a, a small um, drive towards, you know, once we kind of, uh, for myself, I recognize once there was, I don't want to say this dominance, but we, you know, we established that, hey, you know, there, we could hold our own here up north. Um, of course, there was always a, uh, yeah, there's some desire to maintain that. Um, with that being said, uh, I think for me, I always recognize the the Battle of Alberta for us as kind of this 
I did see it as a fun rivalry because, you know, even then, um, by no means that I've, like, I, uh, I never viewed any of you as any kind of like, uh, subpar opponents. I think there was very much some, uh, luck in, 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 in our favor in some of those early events too, above all else. Um, like, you know, th- th- the pendulum swings both ways. And since then you guys have, and Felix, you especially have done such a good job of spearheading, um, uh, some of that competitive drive all while still supporting community. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, for me, I'll, uh, like all, all things above all else, it, it has been a fun rivalry and I've, I've definitely enjoyed viewing it as such. Um, at this point I view myself, uh, if anything, as kind of like the, uh, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm as, I keep saying I'm washed up. Uh, I don't know if I'm actually washed up, uh, but it, it's, uh, uh, I, I, I see the compete level raising just above the board in, in uh, Alberta and even in Edmonton, it's coming up. And, um, um, I think over time we're going to see, yeah, lots of people enter the, the, the realm of, of, uh, tier two winners in Alberta. And I'm, I'm excited for that too. Don't uh, sell yourself short. You're, you're a very competitive player and a strong opponent always, no matter what. Um, (laughs) but you touched on it as time grows on, it's going to, get more competitive as the game grows and more people take the game and it is going to get expansion exponentially harder to stay at the top and this is a hobby this is a a fun project for all of us and your your life will allow and not allow for you to be in certain places is in the competitive scene so i mean you're not washed up maybe you're just in a little bit of a dip right now where you can't devote the time that you want to devote to it but you're always a threat when you sit down at the table yeah, totally fair. Uh, but it, to that point, like, so are you guys. Like, um, there, there's a lot of people I'm scared of in the, you know, in our in our big Alberta rooms yep. at this yeah. point. And Andrew, you're, I, I mean, how how about you for, I guess, within FAB, we can talk about the hockey battle of Alberta in a bit, but uh, for, 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 for FAB, <laughs> like, did, did that early, or did you feel a sense of early rivalry or... Was it more just, you know, individuals and, and take you one game at a time? I love the Fab Battle of Alberta. And it, man, early on, we were sitting so high on the wave in my boat. Like after me, <laughs> Adam and Brandon, yeah. we had like Devin and Laurel and Jeff and some other people that I'm probably forgetting to mention that have since gone off on their own ways there. Um, but they were top eighting almost every event along with us. And so there was a couple times early on there where we had like the whole top four of an event in Calgary. And that was, that was so exciting. That was so much fun. And then since then, I think kind of the compete level and the passion, the amount of people on our side kind of dwindled off a little bit. And I know the last two events, we got our butt kicked by you guys. Mm. And that has really reinvigorated the fire in me. And now I am Harry Potter back in the secret hiding room and I'm training an army (laughs) and I can't wait for the next Calgary Edmonton events. Harry Potter in a secret training room, uh, (laughs) training an army. What, what, which movie is that one referencing? I don't know if I saw that one. There's like the fifth or the sixth movie where they don't have a defense (laughs) against the dark arts teacher anymore. And he finds some secret room that that only they can get in. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, he's yeah. just the, the defense of the dark arts teacher. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, right. I guess actually, I'll do this yeah. myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We noticed a shift in in the results at the the top tables over the last few events, and you know, a bunch of groups of people down here have been putting in their time, uh, practicing a lot more, like 
internally you could see the the shift in how people were playing and practicing and you know i think we we were rewarded down here for the time that we started to put into because we were tired of getting beat by you guys and you know we really <laughs> wanted to shift shift the the sands in our favor yeah i see it for sure and there was just the four or five of calgary people that were just in baltimore as well yeah. and they certainly put their work in for that and mm-hmm. i was playing with a couple of them and thomas a lot uh for that event as well and yeah i can see it everyone's just improving so yeah, much yeah. this is the stuff that really really drives us and you know really motivates us it makes when when i hear you say you're training an army it, it makes me really excited like I, I i know it's gonna be a really really tough competition coming up here and maybe it's our turn to get our butts kicked maybe not hopefully not but if we do then then that'll just motivate us even more and and this is how how we all push each other forward right yeah Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I guess. Uh, sorry. So, quick, quick note here, be, because uh, the the Battle of Alberta. I guess it 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 is something that's important to to both of us. And <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a native Calgarian. I've I've heard heard a lot of people talk about it. I just think it's very interesting that it's uh, it's translated uh, over over to Fab, and it is somewhat true. Although we're we're not spilling each other's blood in the middle of the rink or anything like that. Uh, <laughs> Not yet, anyway. Just yeah. metaphorically. <laughs> I, I guess. Do, do you notice? Um, I guess Andrew, you 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 had some experience in in Magic. Was it like this in Magic as well? Like, did the various scenes like support each other in this this way, or was it a little bit more broken up? I guess into teams of of other types or individuals. It was a little more broken up. Uh, certainly, the Edmonton community and the Calgary community. Um, we're also pretty close and pretty good friends, but it was a lot more like click-ish where everyone was just in separate Facebook group chats and everyone had their big friend groups, whether it was, you know, four to eight or 30 people. Um, and everyone just kind of stayed in their spheres. And you could tell when there was a huge face-to-face event, everyone was very happy to see each other from around the province, but it, it didn't feel as close and like family-like as ours does. And then... There wasn't Discord so much back in that time. I don't know when Discord started, but it it wasn't as like alive and active as the Alberta Flesh and Blood Discord is. Just now I'm starting to see a huge group of my Alberta Magic friends have created a testing server for the circuits and the events that they're traveling, and it's starting to become very active, and they're talking more about you know team play and getting together, streaming games, helping each other, coaching each other, that kind of stuff. But that wasn't there so much beforehand when i was playing or people would just play magic the gathering online themselves or with one or two friends got it yeah i mean the 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 thought of multiple facebook group chats it just sounds horrific at this point where discord exists i don't know (laughs) why people would do that but all right Shifting from regional play to online, Adam, I have a question specifically for you. You've been especially active in the FAB online sphere with your involvement in in initiatives such as the FAB Team Cup. In your opinion, where do events like that fit into the broader FAB ecosystem? Uh, as as Fab Team Cup, we know it now. We've done one season of already, uh, and I got to get an opportunity to be. Um, I guess where I'm at now is the I'm I'm the lead. I'm fully in charge of the production side of things. Um, if anybody who's listening is familiar with with, with the previous season of Fab Team, Fab Team Cup, we did the production of um, just kind of trying to make it some form of a, 
an experience for the viewer from the sense of, you know, you get to to sit down and see, you know, your favorite player or, you know, cheer for a team or something like that. Like that was really how I viewed it. So I I know I'm kind of straying away from the question a little bit, Shay, because for me at this point, it's I don't actually look at that that event anymore from the perspective of, you know, how does this fit into the competitive circuit? Because the reality is, is it doesn't right now. With the last season of Fab Team Cup we did, you know, the the, the players were highlighting, you know, I got to to participate in it from Andrew. Well, Felix, you actually, you were uh, on our team this year as well. You know, we got to participate it from the sense of being uh, in a team. And, and from that perspective, it was it was purely for bragging rights. It was a lot of fun to, you know, be part of the team and, and approach the competitive aspect of flesh and blood from this angle that you you don't normally think of you know normally it's it's what deck am i bringing what am i doing to win the event versus this was how do we win as a team and but beyond that like yeah like i said the the it's not a big deal on the play, the the pro circuit players radar right now because the stakes aren't there unfortunately and that's where at the end of the day they're all really good sports and they they do recognize that we're trying to grow something here like me and the other uh people who are involved in the managerial channel there's about uh there, there's two or three of us build the brand and we need to work on the initiatives that well, that's where I, I come back to um I, I mentioned the word fans and it's a season starts and you can maybe even you know my, my pipe dream for this is maybe you can even you know if, if we can get enough people uh, on the same page where we can you know I can maintain some form of like, you know, an off season, uh, something where you can keep tabs on which players on which team, maybe a team made a trade so we can, uh, once again, the vision is, you know, maybe I can get it to a point where we can actually have real time stats reporting on the fab foundry website where we can have something even like a, a fantasy league or something like fans can, fans can you know you draft their own team and, and and follow their points and see you know who ends up on top at the end of the the season i don't like the the sky's the limits um but yeah so long long-winded way of saying like that if we can secure it the right way it could grow into just something so cool thank you for that so both of you are are competitive players with with competitive aspirations and i guess i'm, I'm just wondering andrew how do you stay sharp um, are you part of a team? Do you take advantage of online resources? Do you mostly practice locally? How how does how does that work? Um, you know, I I don't do it too much. Part of it is, I guess, when I have a really clear cut focus, like I'm going to be traveling soon. I want to be prepping for something. The newest set has come out, and the meta is kind of clearing up or becoming established. I will um you know, play a Talishar game on my lunch break at work every day. And for the local armories, I will usually ask someone if they want to come early or stay late. Maybe we can jam a couple games. And then getting closer to the event, I look for some people online and ask them if they want to practice certain matchups. All right. So so you mostly keep it local, a, a little bit of Talishar and, and all of that? Yeah. How how do you see yourself competing? I, I mean, there's been a lot um, spoken and a lot of content created lately about teams like the Wolfpack, Runaways. We we know all of their those teams are testing pretty hard. They're that they have a lot of great players on them. I guess how how do you think you we can compete or or players like you can compete um, against that? I guess. 
Um, that's also really tough to answer. That's, I think, one of the main reasons, like I was saying earlier, why sometimes I'm showing up to these events and I kind of haven't seen the secrets they've discovered a week in advance. Um, but sometimes it kind of ends up with them shooting themselves in the foot, too, where they all pivot to the best deck that they just discovered two days before the event, and they're scrambling to find the cards, and they, they run to a different deck and play it without very much practice or reps on the deck. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure how to answer your question without joining one of those those top-tier <laughs> teams, like like the Wolfpack, for example. They're just winning almost everything they play right now or getting you know, two or three or four of their members in the top eight of this and that and the Pro Tour at the same time as the, the calling that's going on at the same time. Like, It feels like they're pretty untouchable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, any testing group, any community can form their own norms, their own meta almost. And and you're, you're right. We see it happening all the time. People get too clever, too smart. They outsmart themselves. They're playing at level 10 when everyone else is on level three. And <laughs> yeah. that's, that's not, not where you need to be on. Um, do you, do you see yourself wanting to, I guess, broaden your scope of practice beyond what you're doing right now? Like playing locally, just, to, to gain some of that insight or is do you do you think you'll be able to find that success uh just by continuing to to take the same approach as as you're doing right now i do wish i had um more of a like a focused team kick me in the butt and make me practice type atmosphere but i think i need like a really specific like vibe or, or person or group where you know, things do move along kind of quickly and we kind of having fun or like keeping it entertaining is kind of a, a top priority of the group. I don't want to be, you know, sitting there going through the blueprints, chalkboard out, taking the notes, like just bored out of my mind, taking a very analytical, science-y, like regimented, like grumpy approach to it. I do think I get a lot from um, playing a couple games with someone that I, I find I vibe really well with or have a lot of fun with. Yeah, that 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 speaks to me as well. That speaks honestly to how we we approach preparation for tournaments here, even though it's a lot lower stakes uh, in a way. Uh, although there's a lot more pride on the line, I guess, for our our tier two <laughs> events here in Alberta. It's uh, at the end of the day, it 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 has to be fun, right? If if it's not enjoyable at at the level we want to compete, it's it's not worth uh, worth doing. At least at least for me, if if I was going for for the big prize, I was counting on it, then then maybe. Maybe something would change there. I guess Adam, do you have anything to to add to that, or or do you have any any different thoughts on on preparation? I guess just a bit of a bit of a maybe a different perspective. And and to your point, Felix, you make this comment of like, um, you know, if you're going for the big prize or not. And I think um, perspective on what the goal is is kind of the the first step for me in this at this point. Where um, yeah, if 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 the goal was like, you know, win pro tour, win world, something like that. And, you know, I do believe if we, you know, we mentioned a group like the wolf pack or the runaways or something like that. Um, some, some of that intent that, 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 that is the goal. They're like, they, they will sit down and they not even pompously, but just genuinely say, okay, this is where we believe we're at skill wise. And the goal is, you know, let's top eight, you know, a tier four event. So then, once you establish the goal there, you now need to look at it from the, in my opinion, the perspective of what does it take to get there? And, um, 
you know, Andrew mentions the idea of, you know, the, the, the chalkboards and all the metrics and all that. And uh, at this point, I don't disagree with Andrew that, you know, you got to you got to keep it fun. Um, you you got to find some way to, you know, to make it enjoyable. But it's also, um, I, I do always come back to this idea of how badly do you want it. And, you know, when we do acknowledge those, 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 you know, uh, the Michael Hamiltons or, you know, the guy, you know, Matthew Fowkes or guys like that at this point, uh, th- there is a sickening work ethic uh, to that end of how do we dissect this thing to a level that no one else understands. And even actually uh, on the combat chain, we had Michael Hamilton on for an episode where we, uh, one of the questions we spoke about was how do you set yourself up for that, that level of success? You know, how do you win a, a, I think he'd just come off winning Nats at that point. Um, I can't remember if we'd had the conversation before or after he won worlds, but it was, he there was even from his aspect, this acknowledgement of, you know, yes, there's a, there's always an element of luck with TCGs. Now, I think one of the things that attracts me to flesh and blood above other TCGs is that variance is maybe not quite as there, where if you know how to enact your game plan properly, the, the variance plays out in such a way where most often you should have the favor. Uh, but it, it, Michael Hamilton acknowledged this, this, this idea of um, giving yourself that best edge in part comes down to having uh, the best, you know, game plan across the board you know it's having that um uh, that recognition of what are the threats and how am i truly prepared for all of them and and how do i enact my game plan as well as possible which then comes down to this idea of yeah i am committing probably a few hours a day every day um and you know to some extent we do have to acknowledge this aspect of um you know fun versus what are we doing to really push ourselves to get there? Now, with that being said, like I'm not there at this point, and I'm okay with that because, well, in part, I, there's acknowledgement for myself that I, I've been down the path of trying to uh, do that, and it's don't. I, I think you know if at some point down the road the the circumstances line them up up in such a way where I that now found myself amongst a group of people where we were having these conversations of we're all on the same page we're all gonna like do this to this level I would meet everybody at that level because for me that's you know that 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 drive of you know I find that process enjoyable to some extent I enjoy that level you know it comes back to this idea of mastery for me that is a a pleasant pursuit but it's you know it's acknowledging that it, it, it's not an easy path and it's, it, it's a lot of work to do. And, um, you know, in turn, it, it's, yeah, uh, all this to say that, you know, you, that's where I said, you know, I, I guess at the beginning, what's the goal? Cause I view it as a, you know, if you're, if you're, if your goal is fun above all else, you know, then absolutely do, do what you want to do and just, you know, enjoy the process versus, you know, if then we're starting to go, okay, we want to win a local pro quest. Well, then we need to start applying an element of what does my local meta look like? Who are the contenders? What are they likely to bring? How do I, how do I propose and uh, prepare and approach this? And, you know, then you scale as such, you know, you, you know, if we get into, like for me, I I do have some intention to try to make a push to top eight Nats this year. So in turn, now that we're getting all these um, these spoilers for Dust of Dawn, the, the the focus is 
where can I find ways to step it up? How do I try to get myself ready for that? But it's, you know, I think scaling, yeah, I guess scaling is, is, is for the, for the goal is, is probably the takeaway there is, you know, it's, if you don't, if you're not aiming for the stars, you know, you don't need to push yourself to that extent. All right. No, thanks a lot. Well, that was uh, a, a lot of really insightful answers um, about being more of a competitive player and and being leaders of, of your community up in Edmonton, which we've talked about a lot here in the IP2 podcast. So Shan, I really want to thank you for for being our guests here on on this episode. Um, I guess any any closing statements or shout outs um, for anyone out there? I guess, Andrew, you want to go first? Um, I don't really have anything. All right. Adam? Uh, yeah, I uh, um, honorable mention to the you know combat chain. It's near and dear to my heart. Um, if you're aware of it, if you were a fan of it in the past, um, please know like, I do have intents to keep things going there. Um, it's just kind of in that phase of uh, recollecting my life to kind of figure out um, how to tackle the next part of the you know this project I want to to tackle. Uh, but beyond that, um, uh, Fab Team Cup. Um, if you're looking to you know, I think I, I was chatting with uh, our commissioner Jesse. Uh, we're looking at probably starting somewhere after uh, Nats for this season, but nothing set in stone yet. Um, I, I, I'm going to be all over all the discords, all over Twitter, everywhere, uh, blasting that thing once we know um, kind of what the takeoff looks like. So if you're looking to, you know, have some fun, see some high-level competition, you know, get to know the, the pro scene and people to cheer for, I, I'd love it if you, you'd, you know, you come on the journey uh, with us. Uh, otherwise, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I, I post things every once in a while at uh, TCG and... That's how you can keep up with me. All right. And Andrew, do you have any social media or do you prefer to to be in the shadows? No, I've got nothing. <laughs> All but right. I will just say, like, thanks for having us, guys. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. And as always, you can find us on the IP2 podcast, um, IP2 podcast uh, at Twitter, IP2 podcast on YouTube, and IP2 podcast at wraith.social on Mastodon. Adam, we need to put a timer on you.